0: Well, here's an interesting question. A listener wants to know, should I use my head or my heart when making this decision? Well, that's interesting. We'll unpack some options. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hey, welcome in. If this is your first time listening to 48 Days Podcast, welcome. We welcome new listeners every week. Glad to have you here. The 48 Days comes from my belief that you can change your life dramatically. In 48 Days, if you create a plan and act on it. So whether it's whether to get another job or start your own business or move or go to school somewhere, buy a house, whatever those decisions are, you can move through those. The worst place to get stuck is in indecision. Indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. So we move through making decisions here. Glad to have you. Now, some of the questions we're going to be looking at today include, should you use your head or your heart when making decisions? Somebody says, I've been in the service business industry for about 10 years now, but I've always had trouble with selling. I've been offered my dream job, but it's a two-hour drive from my house. What should I do? Somebody says, I've worked factory jobs all my life, and now at 70 years old, I've retired. I'm looking to do something with my time and need direction. And in this one, Dan, I might be going to jail for a year or two. Is there anything positive that I might gain from this. So clearly interesting questions. We'll dig into those. Quotation for today comes from John Maxwell, who said, I know you want to do what I do, but do you want to do what I did? Interesting, interesting perspective there. Hannah Resource, got a new resource for you. So many of the questions here, as always, deal with you know starting businesses, moving forward in ideas that you want to develop, bring into reality. Sheila, our assistant, created a calendar that has all of the content that we cover in our Elite Eagles program. Now, a lot of you have been asking about that. This is a step up from the regular Eagles membership but it's an opportunity where we meet weekly and go through 24 modules. So you'll see on this calendar, the 24 modules exactly what we're going to be covering and some other information about how to use the 15 hours a week that I talk about so much, how to use those percentages and what you should be doing in those percentages to really move an idea forward. Uh, Clearly, you know, we know a lot of people get stuck in just learning more, just gathering more knowledge that doesn't put money in the bank. So if you check this out, go to 48days.com slash Elite Calendar, just like it sounds, Elite Calendar, 48days.com Elite Calendar. You can see it there. Hey, I love to have you. Check that out. Now, I want to talk about a concept that came clearly to mind last night. Joanne and I had dinner with a delightful couple that we've known for quite some time. They're both in the mortgage business. Matter of fact, they've helped us in purchases in the past. So they're mortgage brokers. Got into it early after their marriage, had four babies in rapid succession. This job came along. It paid reasonably well. And here all of a sudden you look up and it's 24 years later and it's just a job. Now, right now, you know, with elevated real estate prices, higher interest rates, businesses slowed to a crawl. So the question is, well, should we do something else? But then it comes up what about all we've learned in this industry, you know, to walk away from the 24 years of experience? What about the connections we have? Now, even though I never thought about this as a dream job, it's just a job that I can do pretty well. And it brings up the issue of sunk cost. If you are an attorney and you've been out of law school for three years and you realize, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not what I thought. But then you realize, oh my gosh, you know, I spent three years in graduate school to get this degree. You know, my parents invested a lot of money in this. I feel like I need to just stick it out now. That's where you're evaluated sunk cost. There's a lot of things that would fall into that category. You may have a car that you paid $10,000 for, and now it needs a $3,000 repair. Are you better off to repair it or In looking realistically at the depreciation, should you just get rid of the car, whatever you can get, and go on and get something else? You may have invested in a company and now that company stock is down. Or if it's your own company, it's not doing real well. But you think, well, I've invested a lot of time and energy here. Maybe I should just stick with it. Sunk cost. Be very careful about this concept. I mean, you have to make a good decision not just based on what has happened in the past. I mean, what's happened in the past where the way you've made investments, invested your time can cloud your good judgment today. I mean, the healthy way to move forward when faced with sunk cost is to focus on the future, make decisions based on current situation and your future prospects rather than your past investments. So, Here's some steps you can kind of go through. Yes, acknowledge the sunk cost and recognize that that's already happened. You can't be recovered. If you spent $180,000 on a law degree or a medical degree or going to seminary or whatever it was, you can't recover that. That's okay. But don't make that the basis of deciding where you want to be three years from now. So you reassess the situation. evaluate your current situation taking into account all relevant information. But the real thing is to be planning what do you want your life to look like three years from now? If you look back three years, you can get a good predictor of where you are now. And if nothing changes, where you are going to be in another three years? But make a decision based on your uh, reassessment, your consideration of alternative options. Make a decision that is in your best interest in the long term going forward. So if you've put in 24 years in a particular industry, but you don't really love it, you never did it, it served you well and kind of raising your kids, but now you're at a new season of life. You got a new opportunity. Fantastic. Just decide what do you want your life to look like three years from now and then move forward in that. Now here, that's kind of a setup for this lead in question that I posed where somebody said, now this was left as a voicemail. I'd love to play it, but it was real staticky and it just uh, doesn't come across well. But I, I would love to give the emotion that was left in the voicemail that I got. But it was this, should you use your head or your heart when making a decision? Well, <laughs> the, the reality is I can't think of a, th- this is not an either or situation. This is one of those both hand. I can't think of any example where the decision would be best with only using one or the other. You got to use both. You know, I got a brand new book that um, one of our 40 Days Eagles just sent to me. It's Edwin Soler, and the book is Closing the 18-inch Gap. And that 18-inch gap is the distance between your brain and your heart, your 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 head and your heart. It's exactly this. Which should you use? Both. Close the gap. Let's say that you've got a, a child. You've got an eight-year-old little boy who wants to go get ice cream. Now, logic, just using your head tells you you're wasting gas, ice cream is maybe not really great for you, but if you include your heart, you realize that rich daddy-son experience with time to talk may create a memory that helps that little boy follow his dream of becoming an airline pilot. I mean, what, what could be the repercussions down the road? If you only use your heart, You may go get ice cream when you know your little girl is diabetic and the closest ice cream store is 30 minutes away. It really would be a poor decision. But if you only use your heart, you may get sucked into that as well. Well, it's a great question. I don't have a real thorough uh, dichotomy of separating those out. I just would encourage you to use both no matter what the decision is, If, if it's starting a business, if it's going to school, if it's getting married. I mean, any of those are going to involve both your head and your heart. Please be attuned to both so you can use them effectively. Okay, so Mike says, Dan, I've been in the service business industry for about 10 years now, but I've always had trouble with selling, whether it's yearly agreements, extended warranties, or upselling additional services. It's hard for me to ask or even mention anything about additional services when I get to my customer houses, and now I don't even try. I think it has to do with my lack of confidence, anxiety, and know-how. So do you have any recommendations, books or audio book about selling techniques, selling strategies, customer behavior, et cetera? Thanks for your answer. Well, Mike, I've got all, all of the above. My goodness, man, I love selling. I believe it, it is the greatest equalizer. You can be, have an eighth grade education or an MBA from Harvard And you can both be at exactly the same income six months from now if you have selling skills. It's a great equalizer. It's the greatest door of opportunity. It's it's the easiest way to increase your income dramatically, very quickly. If you work in a traditional job and you're being paid for that and you get a three or 4% increase every year, I mean, that's pretty typical. But if you are in a sales position, you should have no ceiling to what's possible. Now, the irony in this is that you also may not have any guarantee so would you rather have a guarantee that you're going to make $85,000 this year or have no guarantee with a clear potential to make 150 because you're in a sales position see that i would always choose option b in that for me personally i would rather have no guarantee and no ceiling but it's usually a trade off of one of those. And selling opens a door where there's no ceiling. Now, do I have resources? Oh my goodness, you better believe it. I mean, go back to Secrets of Closing the Sale, Zig Ziglar. I mean, it's known, it's 25th year. I mean, pick up one of the recent copies. It doesn't matter if it's one of the early copies. He's the best at laying out all the ways to sell well, selling with integrity. Selling with heart, passion, knowing that you're serving your customers well. I mean, there's just it's just one of the old classics there. Now, there's other material like Tommy Hopkins. There's a lot of material in selling. Brian Tracy has an audio program, The Psychology of Selling. That's probably the best audio program I've ever heard on that. I just had a, another book sent to me, a brand new book by um, podcast listener, Ben Lawrence, called The Heart of the Wolf. It is fantastic in the way that he lays out selling well, how to handle objections, you know, how to get the people on your side. And, and selling is not manipulating of not pressuring people at all. It's simply providing an invitation, but it has to be something you believe in. I mean, Mike, I mean, that, it has to be something you believe in, something you would totally recommend to your next door neighbor or your brother-in-law. I mean, selling well really is just simply sharing enthusiasm. If you go to a restaurant and it just blows your mind because the food is so good, you tell 20 people, you're selling. If you see a movie and you tell 10 of your friends, you're selling. If you just got a new car and you think it's the best car on the planet and you tell everybody that you see, you're selling. I mean, that's what it is, everybody sells. And to be effective, you learn how to sell well. So if it's being a, being a mom, you're selling your ideas to your kids. If it's a teacher, you're selling. If you're a pastor, you're selling. I mean, we we all are doing that, and it breaks my heart when I tell when I hear people say, you know, I I don't know how to sell. I hate selling. I don't want anything to do with it. You just need to rethink what you're saying because if you are not sharing enthusiasm about something, your options for your own success are going to be pretty limited. So learn how to do it well, and you can certainly do that. Pick up some of the resources that I mentioned there to get you started. Well, Susan says, okay, here's one for you. I'm currently unemployed. I applied to a company. There would be an absolute dream job only so that they could say, only so that I could say I had applied, but I knew they would never want to interview me. Now, the crazy thing is they do want to interview me. Now, I'm sure they'll never hire me, but in the outside chance that they did, the commute is at least two hours one way to drive. The train is three and a half hours. I haven't found a public transportation that would get me there from where I am. No van pool, no carpool. What do I do if they want to hire me? Now, for, for one thing, this isn't, you, you've got to quit negating what you're saying you want. I mean, th- this is really an approach avoidance kind of conflict. You're saying, you're sure they'll never hire you. Why are you applying to some place where you're sure they'll never hire you? Do you really want this job? I mean, you say, you know, they'll never hire you, but the outside chance that they did, I mean, that's a horrible way to frame going into a new opportunity. If you want this, you ought to anticipate they are going to hire you. They do want you. They do need what you have to offer. I mean, that's the way that you approach this, where you're thinking they're going to miss out. If they don't hire you, you have exactly what they need to help them move forward. So you you want to go into it with that mindset. However, on the back end of this, you say you're applying for a job, you think it might be a dream job, but it's two hours, one way to drive, the train is three and a half hours. There's no way in the world to make that work. Something has to change. If you get this job, if it is your dream job, you want to take the job, you need to move. So you're 15 minutes away from work. I mean, there's, there's no job. There is no job that's worth a two, three-hour drive one way to get there. I, would, I, I can't imagine a situation where that would be justified. To spend that much time just commuting? I mean, I suppose you could use that time, you know, to write a novel or something, but it just isn't sustainable. You're going to burn up too much excess time in addition to the work, and you'll end up resenting the job. So no, don't even anticipate making this work unless you move to where you're very close proximity to where that job is. Now, if you want to stay where you are, you're in your dream house, you're in a house with no mortgage, whatever, then find a job within 15 minutes of where you live. Don't be looking for a job. Don't be applying for a job. That's two, two hours, three and a half hour train ride away. Just don't try to make that work. It just doesn't fit at all. All right. Terry says, I've worked factory jobs all my life. Now I'm retired. I'm looking to do something with my time. and need some direction. Any ideas? I'm 70 years old good health. Thanks for your input. Wow. What a great opportunity, Terry. You know, a lot of people just find a tolerable job and put in their 35 to 40 years. Let's say if you're, if you're 70 and you've worked factory jobs, you've probably put in 50 years of working. And those jobs, you know, if they were factory jobs, they were likely not the perfect blend of your talent, passion, money. Now you've got a chance to take a fresh look at who you are, where you are. And you also have the beautiful luxury of having all the insights, knowledge, and experience from your first 70 years of living. You can make a much better decision about what kind of work would blend your talent passion and also make significant money for yourself. So this comes from looking inward first in 48 days to the working lobby. I talk about that, you know, 85% of the process of having a confidence of moving forward in your career or business comes from looking inward, not just looking at where the opportunities are, who's hiring or anything. No, look inward first take a fresh look. Now I'm going to be sending you the latest version of 40 days to the work you love. You know, as I do anybody whose question I answer here, you know that. So I'll send that out to you pronto. Go to chapter five where it is success is more than a job. So chapter five in 40 days to the work you love will help you really understand how to frame this. Now that you've been working for a lot of years, just in jobs that paid the bills, being responsible. That's, that's cool. But now you have an opportunity. Success is more than a job. Read that to really get a new sense of who you are. So you identify your unique skills and abilities, your personality traits, your values, dreams, and passions. Looking back with that kind of a history, you ought to be able to identify those times when you really came alive, times when you were like, we talk about athletes being in the zone, time when, when you felt like that, it's when you were doing this and you really came alive, felt like you were in your zone. Identifying those will help you then create a clear model for what kind of work would make it be a fit for you. Maybe something where you do get a part-time job and you really enjoy that. You know, you can get a part. I've been in head advance auto parts a couple of times recently. And I always get a rush when I walk in there because being a car guy, I love just walking the aisles, seeing all the car parts man, I could really get into, you know, being behind the counter, being working there and helping people come in. Gee, my car is slow and starting. Well, is the battery have a dead cell or is your alternator going bad? I mean, just those kind of things. So there may be something that you just like plugging into like that, or it may be an opportunity to really start something on your own, something that you want to do. Well, hey, a lot of the great questions. I love getting them in every week. Thanks for shooting these in. If you've got a question, just go to 48days.com slash ask Dan. You can leave it there. You can leave it there. I, I get a lot of suggestions, a lot of resources we pass on to people. A lot of times people will say, hey, you had a listener that asked this. You know, I've got a resource. We do a lot of that. We do a lot of just connecting people to resources as they ask here. But if you got a question, comment, or a resource, just go to 48days.com slash ask Dan. You can leave it there. You can leave an audio message, but most most of you just write it out as well. All right, here's a gentleman, we'll call this, we'll say this is Bob, who says, After reading your article about desirable disadvantages, I naturally began thinking about my own. I might be going to jail for a year or two for allegedly practicing law without a license. Although I feel like I'm on the right track and I'm prepared to make the best of it, what I didn't expect was how hard it is to fight the legal battle. It's very demoralizing to be spoken down to by the judge, especially when being cut off in mid-sentence over and over. But I'm staying true to my vision, trusting God, even though the job is hard. The other thing is being alone in all of this. I was naive to think people would rally around me with support. And I was naive to think the judge would respect me and give me the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure I'll learn a lot, though. All right. Now, Bob, you know, you know I, I've known you for many years, so I, I know how you think. I know a lot of things you've done. You're an incredibly creative guy. And, 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 you know, I spoke a couple of times at the Tennessee Prison for Women in Nashville when Joanne, my wife, was doing a lot of volunteer work there. You know, and I used to commend them on their creativity because usually it was their creativity that got them there. And I talked to them about that. I said, what if you took your creativity and rather than using it in a way that got you in trouble or was illegal, you used it in a way that was positive. And we talked through some examples of things they could do. And I always loved talking to them about that. They're not normal. They're not even candidates when they come out to get traditional jobs because they think differently, typically. So you're one of those, I know, through and through. You've got some incredible projects that are midstream right now. It'd be would be horrible to see those have to be put on pause for a while. But be that as it may, I don't know what it was that got you in trouble or got you in the crosshairs here of the legal system. But this idea of having desirable disadvantages is a real issue. Now, I use that term because of reading Malcolm Glidewell's book, on David and Goliath. It was really in there that I first kind of used that term, desirable difficulties or desirable disadvantages. When I think about the things, I mean, I hear from people, you know, mom who wants to start her own business, but now finds herself living in Thailand because of her husband's work, or a gentleman who shared, I just got fired today from my company. Now, are these insurmountable obstacles, or could they in fact be desirable difficulties? Now, we hear a lot of those things and that book, Malcolm Gladwell's book, David and Goliath, outline a lot of things. You know, we, we hear about like Harrison Ford, you know, the great actor. He was targeted by bullies in school. He was a poor student. So he signed up for drama class, hoping to get an easy, good grade. His difficulty pushed him into a direction that turned out to be a, a real advantage for him. You know, we hear about people with dyslexia, And they grew up to be the Richard Bransons, Thomas Edison's of the world. David Nealman, CEO of JetBlue, he's talked publicly about his ADHD, and he's chosen not to take any medication for that. He doesn't want to eliminate it. He says he's learned how to use his unique brain wiring to his advantage, now that he better understands it. I mean, I myself, I mean, I grew up with a lot of things that would be seen as disadvantages. We didn't have running water in the house until I was in the eighth grade. We had no radio or TV. I wasn't allowed to go to movies, dances, sporting events. I mean, my parents contributed nothing to my college education. They didn't want me to go. Were those disadvantages or were they desirable difficulties? I mean, even as I talk about it here, I'm, I'm not real clear. It seems to be contradictory. You know, I, as a parent, I don't want my children to experience difficulty. I don't want my wife to suffer in any way. In my coaching, I want to help people Eliminate the challenges in their business and move into success and prosperity. But at what point does protecting people from challenges limit the push to their greatest achievements? I don't have a clear answer on that in my own life. You know, there are times when I think I need a challenge. I need to look for a challenge because I think life has gotten too easy. So back to your situation. You think you might be going to prison for a couple of years. I don't know. I think it's too early to tell. You might come out on the other side of this with an incredible story to tell. I mean, you could write a book, speak, maybe get a movie deal. I mean, at the very least, you'll know more about our legal system and um, may position yourself as a consultant for other people having challenges in that area. Something that you would not be able to do had you not gone through it yourself. I mean, a lot of people come through. I mean, um, I'm next week I'm having lunch with Dave Ramsey. Well, you all know his story. You know, he went broke at 26 years old, you know, because of real estate investments that he got into. Well, that disadvantage, that horrible, horrible experience prompted him to show other people ways to avoid making the mistakes he did. That simple bit of advice has served him extremely well. I mean, we hear those stories over and over again. So yeah, go into it with your eyes wide open, as I know you will, expecting to learn from it. At the same time, I mean, don't just lay down and let them put you away for a couple of years. If there's a way to avoid it, I would certainly have a first class attorney on my team who's helped me evaluate this and present. If you're getting animosity from the judge, put an attorney in your position. So you don't have to do the talking for yourself. You have somebody else doing that, representing you. And and certainly, I mean, if we think about, it, if we go really up the ladder here, you know, Donald Trump has been indicted for a whole bunch of things right now. What are the chances are that he's going to go to prison? Um, probably pretty slim. I mean, it, it, it I hate to kind of exaggerate this too much but we know that if you have enough money it's highly unlikely you're going to go to prison for pretty much anything that you do because good attorneys can get you out of those things well keep your eyes open keep your heart full of integrity and character i know you are and um, be prepared for whatever the next couple years bring you and that you will learn and grow as a result. Kathy says, "Um, I unexpectedly received a business opportunity that is time sensitive. I want to make a wise decision, want to speak with someone who has knowledge of the process. For reference, there's a yoga business near me that's up for sale for $50,000. We've met with the owners and are interested in the opportunity. Do you know of anyone within the Eagles community who would have knowledge about purchasing a business? We have so many questions. Thank you, Kathy. Well, yes, I certainly do. Greg Gray is our dean of business in our Eagles community. You have ready access to him. He can walk you through this process, help you evaluate if this is an opportunity that you ought to pursue. You know, we have um, we, I mean, we have our Eagles Innovation Group as well, you know, where I have people who have put in money. We have an investment pool and we look for businesses to invest in. So we have a vetting process. I mean, we know what to look for in a business. So feel free, Kathy, to reach out in the Eagles Community. I know you're a member there. There are plenty of people in there that can help you look at this. You know, when, when I hear about a yoga business that's for sale, $50,000, it probably doesn't involve real estate at that figure. It's not gonna have buildings involved. So it's probably, you know, just somebody that's leasing a space or renting a space to do that. And so it's based on the number of students coming. Well, yoga is one of those things where it's not just going through the mechanics of yoga, it's because there's a teacher that people really like. They come, you know, the the spin classes that I go to here where I live, I go to the ones where I really like the instructors. There are a couple who scream and shout at you, that I'm not going to go to their classes. My point being, How much of the yoga business's value is based on the person who currently owns it and runs the classes? Can you automatically just step into that person's shoes and be assured those people are going to continue coming? No, you really can't. I mean, this is one of those businesses, if you are a dentist or an accountant and you want to sell your business, you got to be really careful about how you're evaluating it because if that person walks out the door, there may not be a business. So the question then becomes, could you just simply rent a space? If you're an experienced yoga teacher anyway, could you just rent your own space and start recruiting students and save you the $50,000 and build the business? Well, I didn't mean to go down this rabbit trail. I don't have enough information to really give you clear advice on whether or not this is a good purchase, but certainly some questions that you may want to consider. All right. Hey, one, one more here. Nancy says, in reference to the person at episode 880 who wanted to start a business but had no idea how to operate the technical aspect, uh, it says before I knew of 48 Days, I knew of SCORE. Now, that's S-C-O-R-E. SCORE is the nation's largest network of volunteer business mentors available in all 50 states and at no cost to the entrepreneur. Now, there's an idea for previous question here as well to Check with Score. That's the stands for let's see, Service Corps of Retired Executives. So it's experienced business people who now just volunteer their time to help new business owners know what to do. I mean, I've met with Score people in the past. They're wonderful. And uh, Kat, and Nancy says I had a dream of owning and operating a bed and breakfast, but I had no idea how to purchase one, set up cash flow, maintain records, devise a financial plan, or get a business loan. Thanks to my mentor Ed at Score. I've been living the dream for almost nine years and we're still in contact. If I have a question outside of his area of expertise, he can consult with me or lead me to the right person. Score.org is the biggest kept secret around. Well, thanks for that resource, Nancy, for sharing that. I know you've asked questions in the past and I've looked up your business. I love what you're doing with your bed and breakfast there. It's gorgeous, but uh, thanks for that tip. Yeah, and certainly available for any of you to connect with SCORE if you need some business advice there. So we got a lot of resources for you today, different things that you can plug into, that you can decide what you want your future to look like. That's one of the main points that we're hearing here. What do you want your future to look like? That's what helps you make decisions today. It doesn't have to be based on what you have done in the past, what you're academic background into any of that you decide what you want your future to look like that's how we operate around here you start there and then you make decisions today based on where you want to be three years from now five years from now ten years from now well hey keep those questions coming in just shoot those in go again to 48days.com slash ask dan you can leave your question there if i answer your question here i'll send you a new fresh autograph copy of 48 days to the Working Love along with a note and along with a podcast journal. Those are fairly new. We've added those, a podcast journal, so you can keep notes on any podcast here. So um, be delighted to send that out to you. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions. Thanks for being open to growing and being a powerful force for making the world a better place. I share this episode with three of your friends who are also committed to personal growth. They'll thank you for it. You'll be seen as a hero for turning them onto a resource that helps in their own success. Stay committed to your belief that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work and a life that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.